Happy Money Monday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Women Effect Podcast. I am your host, Chris Ross, and if you're new to us, welcome. I am incredibly grateful that you're joining us for the first time. The outcome that we're after on each episode of this show is to introduce you to as many people as we cross paths with to inspire and to help you, our listeners, to manifest anything you want out of life. How we go about achieving this is one heartbeat, one mission, one outcome, that's success. Our guest for this week is former pro soccer player, podcast host, Forge Real Estate Council member, leadership specialist, Brian Covey. Brian is one of the top mortgage professionals in the Southeast region in the United States. As the vice president of regional production for Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana sales teams, Brian's days are spent coaching mentoring, needed need training his team to make sure they're going to exceed their expectations. Good to great leadership is contagious. Leaders transform people and their ability to get things done. They create a culture of accountability and teamwork of winning and how to win in every individual. Leadership is the single greatest factor in any team's performance. I don't care what industry you're in. Whether a team exceeds or fails is all up to the leader. The leader's attitude sets the tone for the entire team. The leader drives performance or doesn't. And you're about to find out why Brian Covey's team exceeds expectations. Stand by for a quick message from our co-host, Wes Bays, and let's go ahead and dive right in. Now, before I bring on our guest, I want to ask you a quick question. How would you like to get access to free training live with Chris and myself every single week? If that's you, here's what you need to do. Go to Facebook and like our Winject Facebook page. There you're going to see more content from us in general, as well as gain exclusive access to those live training sessions on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, where Chris and I are talking about extremely important topics in business, sales, and personal development. You can't find this content anywhere else, so make sure you follow that Facebook page today. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. All right. I'd like to welcome Brian Covey to the show. Brian, welcome. Thanks, Wes. Excited to be with you guys. Some dope music kicking us off there. That was good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to, I had to return the favor, bro. When I came on your show, man, you inspired this whole thing. You inspired it. When I came on your, I felt like I was on a game show. Right. So, <laughs> so it's a perfect, perfect season. There's a new season coming out and had to have you on, man. I mean, for a multitude of reasons. And, and thank you for being here, man. Man, thanks for having me. And it's always that first impression, right? We always talk about that. And I was like, if I'm going to make an impression, even if it's over virtual, then I got to get it right. And um, and music for me is get, getting the energy right to kick it off. Right. For sure. For sure. Actually, music came from um, a high school buddy of mine. And he used to be a, he's been in music his whole life. I, I guess you have a funny story when I think I told Wes, um, I think it was back in seventh grade, he won like a talent show. <laughs> he had all the ladies like throwing their panties at him and stuff, but not in seventh grade, but you know, that kind of thing anyways. But he did the, he did the music for us and he's like, just as a thank you. Um, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool, man, but yeah, definitely music always gets me my thing. Oh, I have, a, I have like a preset list on my, what is that? What is it, the home pod thing down there? Yeah. I don't want to say her name. If I say the S name, <laughs> she'll start talking <laughs> and not shut up. Yeah. So I, I'm right before, that's how I get myself in the zone. I listen to music all day, but I put myself in that frame of mind to yeah. serve and, and, you know, transfer energy positively, you know, into people and recycle it back and all that good stuff. But there's a lot of reasons, you know, I wanted to especially have you on to talk about because there's a lot of different layers to Brian and there's so much you've done in your life, you know, being a soccer player, going into real estate, what you're doing now and running your team, this COVID stuff through us a huge curveball, huge family guy in Nashville. I mean, for the most part of, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe, you know, they know your story. They know, I see you going a lot of shows and you have your own show as well and a book coming out. We can go into detail, but for the most part, like, I guess the best question to kind of intro this and lean in would be, I mean, if, if someone doesn't know you, I mean, how do you kind of describe yourself and what you do for a living and a person you are? How oh, do I love that? And there's a lot of layers, I'm sure, to like all of us. But right. I started off, uh, grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I had some success playing soccer. And literally seven days a week, I was out there on the field. I was the younger brother coming to practice, just couldn't get enough of training. I think that's where a lot of my personality and how I was shaped and formed and, you know, through life's adversities. Um, you know, I remember when I, my wife and I got married and 
we weren't able to have children right away, and we kind of struggled through that part of the season. Moved to Florida, blessed with two kids right away. We're not near home. Market crashes, 07, 08, you probably remember, complete yep. obliteration. So you go from the height to the bottom where we pretty much had nothing and two kids and moved back to Nashville and kind of kick-started my career. And I look back for, for those that don't know me, is like, I'm one of those guys that I think sports taught me to deal with the adversities that I've faced in life of right. getting let go from a company that I love that I was told I didn't fit in because I just, I was different. And, um, and those things to- How so? You know, I think that um, building your personal brand and and being more challenging, like I like mm -hmm. to challenge the thinking and the processes of old and very innovative. And why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? And and I think I, I bring about a different modern perspective. I talk about a lot of modern leadership and it, it's not a, a yes man. My job to serve my team and the customers and all that is really to think outside the box and challenge the status quo and be willing to go against it, even if it, it fails or means that I have to suffer a bit, right? And that's, I think there's a lot of old school paradigm of leadership that still exists out there. And what I would tell everybody is, it's okay if you don't fit on this team, because there's another team for you or another venture for you. You got to find your sweet spot. Don't fight the current against, when people don't want you there, you don't have to be there. Ride the wave. You gotta ride it. I mean, transfer to mono. You know, when you have a lot of momentum or whatever it is in your staff, it is. And I just was having a conversation about this recently. Someone asked me a question about leadership, but the problem with the the world, they haven't adjusted in corporate America to actual true leadership and what it really takes to be successful. They say that they're a leader, but they're only a manager, and that means it's a good chance you were a top performer at some point. And all top performers shouldn't be leaders. That's right. <laughs> just because they, you can't train it. You can't, you can't communicate. There's no communication. It is just all dictatorship, right? So there's a lot of, you see a lot of that in, in, on all these different levels. I hated that coming from corporate America. And I think that's one of the reasons why I excelled in my role because I'm, some people are just natural born leaders. Yeah. I learned it through, you know, being in sports, then going into the military and learning from some amazing leaders. And it's just about how can you, get them to see the bigger picture and seeing the vision and having your fingers on a pulse. I mean, how would you describe, you know, yourself as a leader? Do you think? So I've really coined this term, like the modern leader today, in my mind, you have empathy and you can show grace to the team through the good times and the bad. And I think mm -hmm. leaders today are more vulnerable than they used to be. Meaning that like we have a lot of conversations with our group and I'm okay letting them know that I don't have it all figured out. Right. I'm on a journey. I'm learning. And I want to invite you to come with me because I think what I'm going to learn and what you're going to learn will help each other versus the, the old age. I think leaders and you hit on it because, you know, Chris, people talk about this whole thing of like managers. They want to have all their all their stuff together. Well, guess what? Nobody has it all together and figured out. Mm -hmm. And today, modern leadership really requires you to be on a quest for your own personal development. So, you know, I'm a big into working out like in the whole CrossFit. We do Iron Tribe and stuff here. And I think every day you need to have a mental test and a physical test for yourself to put yourself in the framework so that you can go into battle for business, right? And, and lead your team effectively. For me, I've learned that that just, it like flips the switch to, I'm going to move into leaning in versus sitting on the sideline. And to your point, that leader that used to be able to produce at a high level may not be able to effectively navigate and guide the troops properly because mm -hmm. different skill sets. And what I'm learning with our group is the better I can listen and the more I can engage in that conversation, they're probably going to have the answers to the problems and the solutions that we need to navigate the team. And they want to be part of it, not be told what to do every day. Right. You got to put the right people in place to do the right things. I mean, you might have someone on your staff that isn't good at cold calling or isn't good at certain things. It doesn't mean they have to be. You right. get someone in that's great at doing it and does it natural and ask them questions. And it's just all about communication. I love that part about it. And then you try to challenge the thought process, the thinking process on how people make decisions and you know what their strengths and weaknesses are. How much does that come into play with your conversations with your team? I guess it starts off right from the beginning, but yeah. what, where does that, what does that kind of look like for you? Yeah. So I believe in attracting the right leaders and putting them in the right places, right? So we call mm -hmm. them leaders because wh whether they have the title, the rank, whatever there, we want everybody to, to lead themselves and then mm -hmm. they can lead through the business as we go. And so 
finding the right positions is key. And I know in the past year, COVID has released, I think, some opportunities for us where we had to move some people around and say, you know what, this just isn't where your gifts and your strengths are. Mm-hmm. And it could be a lack of effort. It could be a lack of skill. But it's my job to give you that feedback and to tell you where you're doing well and where you're not. And what we try to do is put people in the right spot. And you mentioned something as you're talking through that there, Chris, is I believe in hiring the right people, trusting them. Trust is, I think, a two-way street back and forth. I need to give trust to earn trust from you. And what will happen is then I don't need to micromanage. The old days of I'm going to micromanage everything about what you do and track you and do all this. Look, here's the reality. The best performers don't want to be micromanaged. Newsflash for all the leaders out there. They don't want that. I do want somebody that's going to come alongside me and encourage me and challenge me and have conversations with me. But being micromanaged, I think, has been a detriment to cultures where yes. we just, we just send me your KPI reports or send me whatever. Like, it's like, man, well, why am I sending you this stupid report? You got to tell me why. Tell me, tell me a time that, and I think back in my career, if someone gave you a report like that. It was negative in nature because typically that's what those are intended to do is show your weaknesses and where you're not good. And you felt like, you know what? I'm going to go take action on this. I'm so pissed off right now. I'm, I have not done well. I'm going to go take action. Not really. And if you did, it didn't last. And so what we're in for is, is true behavioral and cultural change Love that everybody that. understands. And we talk about walking the walk is look like we have standards and, and we expect that, which means if you're going to be part of the team, like in the military, we're holding a standard. And if you don't meet the standard, it's clear. And that's OK. We're going to find somewhere else for you on the team that you can meet the standard. But but I've loved what happens. I've noticed, and this is the important thing for the leaders, I think, is as we've raised that and we brought other people along with us, we've been able to promote from within. And then those those are the people challenging me that I realize I've got to up my leadership game because as they get better, you I've got to continue to get better, or I can't be an effective leader. I'm so excited to have this conversation. So excited because I hear a lot of people talk about leadership, but they're very vague. (laughs) <laughs> when they're actually talking about it. One of my, I learned this actually in the military. One of my things that I try to communicate to every person that comes on board. I mean, obviously, you know, now it's obviously grown to what it's grown to. I'm very blessed. Same for you, right? I mean, it's yeah. just all about your journey and your, and you taking action on certain pieces. So in your growth and you're part of your journey. But one of the things that I like to do right at the beginning is, okay, listen, where do you see yourself in the next four to six months? Or where do you see yourself in the next year with this company? What do you want to accomplish? And let them tell you. Yes. Don't tell them. Let them tell you. Do you see this company? Do you see this role as a stepping stone in getting you to entrepreneurship? Do you see yourself going into whatever field? So if you're willing to put forth every piece of effort that you have into this, and work yourself to this standard and getting yourself, because I'm not going to compromise my standards ever. That's right. Like my role is to get you here, but you got to put forth the effort and have the right attitude. And that comes from mindset. But if you're willing to do that, I'm willing, and you're hitting your numbers each week, whatever, insert whatever your division is. If you're hitting your numbers and you're doing, you're over exceeding, you're getting yourself to that expectation. I'm going to spend 30 minutes a week giving you X, whatever you told me. That's right. And getting you to that level. And that's something we'll personally work on together is that can we come to some type of level of agreement? And they not only respect you, they will they will literally go to war with you because that's a personal connection. Leaders don't a lot of people don't take that time. Yeah. Why do you why do you think that people don't take that extra time? Not holding their hand and, and trying to start, hey, what did you do this last night? Or what, you, what kind of ball team? No, it's not that. Why do you think they don't take that extra time of giving them something they know they want? Now, I think there could be a gap in actual skills and development because there's okay. one thing of having the conversations. But what I think is fascinating to me is, is I've studied leadership and like behavioral and psychology and all this is like, when were we actually taught this? And if you haven't had a coach or a mentor model this or show you, you've probably learned from the old ways, which were not good. And most people, if they were described their previous boss or manager, they would call him a boss or they would tell you all the things they didn't do well. Yeah. Very, very seldom do people actually, and I know it does happen, they have that leader that actually left an impact and all. And so I think it goes back, it starts, Chris, with who do you surround yourself with? How are you learning those skills to get better? And it's a skill that we talk about all the time, but think about listening for a moment. And it sounds really probably like, why in the world would I slow down to learn how to actually listen better? 
Well, for those that are married, realize listening is pretty important if you're married. (laughs) (laughs) Self-divorce pretty quickly, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't want to go the wrong way with that. Mm -hmm. And and I think we all struggle with it. And so I think people just lack the skills. And then it's almost back to, and I know guys probably struggle this more, and, and I'm in that camp of being willing to ask for help. And what I've learned on my journey most recently, when I've had the most amount of growth in my journey, was when I was willing to say, you know what? I'm not performing at the level I want to. I want to be here. How do I get there? Well, I started to ask people for help and just say, hey, look, here's where I'm struggling. Here's what's going on. And that little bit of vulnerability will teach you the skills. And then I've been intentional about watching certain people that I believe possess those traits or those skills, whether it's a podcast or you jump on with somebody mm-hmm. and you're like, Hey, will you teach me? Like, how how do you how do you do this when you engage? They're asking you situational questions. They're asking you yes. situational questions. Game time situations. You got to do that. that. And then that's when they'll find you. You don't need to find them. They'll find you at that time. And we see the pattern here, Wes. Yeah. Everybody we talk to has this very similar approach that over exceeds expectations and are go getters. They're going to seek that information. Wes, yeah. what would you like to add with that? And why is that so similar? with everybody that we potentially talk to and bring on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the similarities come in the character, right? And, and, and the background where I kind of want to play devil's advocate for a second uh, on this. Cause I, I see this a lot with people who are either, you know, starting up companies, maybe they have a handful of employees. It's something that they might be struggling with. So in, in one aspect of it, yes, we're empowering people. We are giving them the room to be able to grow and we're aligning out, you know, their purpose with our purpose and vice versa and, and all of that. Brian, in, in your experience, how, how, where's the differentiation come in from someone who can foster leaders that way and help them grow and then in turn grow the company and keep on that, on that growth versus someone who is trying to do the same thing, but they end up with a fostering like an environment of entitlement uh, or dependency? Where does that, you know, what, I guess, what's the difference in leaders that way? So I love that question. And I'll show you what I've learned in my journey. And this is a belief that we hold to is the best of the best leaders are leaders that create other leaders that create other leaders. So you see how there's a tier and there's another tier. The people that are average or just in a management role, they're thinking about themselves and they might be creating leaders underneath them. They might be they're probably never creating leaders who are creating other leaders. It has to be almost like generational wealth. We need to create leaders at every role, rank, and throughout the organization. And it's a mindset shift that if you make that, you're not just trying to impact the one person. I'm thinking about on our team, a couple hundred people. How do I impact them when Brian can't speak to 200 people a day? But if I can impact 10 people who can impact 10 people themselves, you see how I'm starting to multiply the leadership and the culture out to me, that's what the greats do that I study and that I'm fascinated and, and want to be like. Is It's got to be deeper than just impacting one person. If you're doing that, look, you're playing small, just straight up. That that to me is where I think people will struggle in, in their journey. Right. And, and how much, just Go ahead. a follow-up to that. How much does ego play a role in that? And you hit a certain point, right? You, you want to foster leaders. Now that person, that next person up is coming in that your ego triggers. Right. Because now you're letting go of that. Yeah. How much does that play a role in this? So ego's a huge part. Right. I mean, if, if we call it what it is, we all have a part to our ego. And I remember studying in psychology, kind of like our, our childlike behavior versus like, you know, we can be our self self-actualized, like at the top when we're performing at the top peak performance. I think a lot of us have that childlike. What I've learned in my journey, I can only speak from from what I've seen around me is when I start to let go. And I've empowered the right people, right? Because it starts with, you got to empower the right people. If you have the wrong people, they need, they need to be moved out quickly and swiftly. Mm-hmm. But once you have the right team and you're confident in them, the more I've empowered them and gotten out of their way, and I've studied as they've taken you know, like psychological assessments or they've given me feedback in our conversations, they want to run their business and lead their teams with their flair and their style. As right. soon as I come in and I overarch and say, this is how you have to do it, I'm starting to step into their lane. I'm not allowing them the creative flow to actually do what I'm, I'm asking. And so here's what I'd say, just kind of breaking it down. I'm going to tell the team and kind of come up as the leader. Here's where we're going, why we're going there. Now I need your help on how we get there. And I want your input on what we do. Many okay. times they may even help me with the goals. But as the leader, I need to have a clear vision of where we're going and why we're going there and get them to buy into the mission. But from there, 
creative flexibility on our team with the 10 direct reports I've got. I'll tell you, they are all very uniquely gifted and they approach those goals very differently. I need to be able to respect that and honor that and allow them that freedom to go and attack it in their own way so they can be successful. If not, I feel like I'm stifling their growth. Right. Suffocating. They'll leave. They'll leave my team if I don't allow them room to grow with us. Next one up. Always next one up. That's it. Always next one up. I mean, you study all the like tycoons, I guess you would say, or typhoons, whatever you want to call them, right? You study the ones that have done this for years and years and years and years in leadership. And it's a very similar message, but it's executed differently with their own strengths and you know their attributes, right? And their weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, they're going to communicate it differently. So I've, I've actually met some leaders who are really good at leadership and I didn't know it was actually coming from their mouth. They had a buffer there in place, but they were, they, they took their ego completely out of it because they didn't want the praise. It was always, always about the team. It was never about them. Yeah. Those are the best ones because it's, they have that buffer in place. And there's a lot of, sometimes it could be, could be just promoting someone on the team as a team lead and, and I guess going through each person and giving them, all right, you're the team lead for this week. I've actually done that a lot. Yeah. Like, Cause I had almost a guy that had to come into companies and then hire and fire. Well, give my recommendations on who they should hire and fire. Right. And I'll, I, I'm one of my favorite things to do. It's coming on board and I'm just observing for the first week. I don't say shit. <laughs> I don't say anything. I don't say anything to anybody. I'm not going to observe. And the leader or, manager in a situation i mean it didn't make it to that friday i just couldn't take it anymore it's like that guy's you guys either you get him out of here or i i in the contract yeah, <laughs> we can't do that. you got to get him out of here because he's ruining your business and it could be just removing that leader and then promoting a bunch of team leads and you'll find your leader within yeah that i mean how much is that coming to play where and I, I don't think it happens a lot with you because obviously what you do for a living and how you're able to inspire and influence so many people in your staff but i know that you've been around some really bad teams i guess in in your past but if you're around some bad teams is it really a bad team or a bad leader oh so so the book extreme ownership i go back yep. to quite a, one of the most impactful on me and talks about there are no bad teams there's only bad leaders and, and I do subscribe to that to, to almost all the way. Uh, I don't know that I 100% say that's always the case, but I do think that's true because there's always something, as, if I take ownership, there's always something I could have done in whatever role I'm in. If I'm the leader or I'm part of a team, like I'm a leader of a team in our group, but I'm also then part of a larger group and team that I'm, I'm not the, the top leader, I guess you'd say, in, in that rank. And so I'm playing both roles simultaneously corporately yes. and with our team. And that's, that's a, a unique balance. I think for those, if, if we really look at what's our role and what's expected of me, when I can get clear on that and a question a leader should always ask is, is what does my team need from me right now? Mm -hmm. In 2020, I will tell you what, what I did last year would not work this year. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got clear on that and in March, I remember calling a couple mentors of mine. I'm like, Look, I'm struggling with this. I can see where this is going. I've got a shift. It's not about adding people to my team. It's not about the normal sales and development. Like this has been a very um, demanding year in the sense of we have more business than we probably have capacity for in our industry. Yeah. And I had to move into a little bit of like crisis, um, counseling, taking care of our team through fatigue and exhaustion that now is outside forces coming inside our organization of you're working from home. You have kids with you. That aren't in school, they're at home with you. You're dealing with mental and physical pressure you've never dealt with. As a leader, I had to adapt quickly. And I remember asking yeah. questions. What, is my, what does my team need from me? Well, I'll tell you the best thing I did is I asked a few of them. Hey, guys. Right. <laughs> they're pretty simple, right? Simple. And what do you need from me? What can I do to make your life easier? How can you really excel, right? So I'll tell you a couple things that came out of that was my communication had to shift. I'm no longer in the market visiting the team in person, which I'm a pretty high energy guy. You probably know that. So I love to engage with people in person. I no longer have that as a strength of mine or a tool to use. So quickly, I had to get comfortable in video. Quickly, I had to figure out how can I convey messages to an entire team that will help them, that speaks to all of them? How do I send micro messages to this unit of the team over here and get them to move that way? How do we do recognition, encouragement? The list goes on and on in addition to one-on-one -on -one phone calls.
Right. Checking out let's people, go, dropping tests. Let's break that down just for a second. Not to cut you off, but let's break that down just for a second. There's a lot of people out there right now in this world with obviously what's happening. And they weren't really a good leader in-house. <laughs> and maybe they're in new into the role. Man, there's a lot of companies are, you know, they're restructuring their organizations, maybe a lack of production, lack of sales, whatever that might be. And they're looking at their leaders and they don't know how they didn't even know how to lead when they were there. Yeah. And then now they're forced to do it online. Like what kind of advice would you give someone in that type of situation? Get uncomfortable quick. Meaning yeah. probably what you fear the most as the leader is what you need to take action on. And sitting back and hoping it's going to get better, sitting back and hoping it's all going to get fixed, sitting back and, you know, all these hope strategies that could go on and on. What I realized very quickly is lean into the difficult conversations, seek the feedback from the team that say, Hey, and I would ask them intentionally, give me at least one thing. I love that things are going well for you, but give me one thing you think we could do better. We could improve on. How do you see us improving throughout the year? What are you seeing that maybe I'm not seeing? You've got to ask these powerful questions What's really fascinating to me about this whole thing is the better questions I started to ask, the team actually, they didn't realize this. They're directing me to now figure out solutions and guide them through it. But you got to ask the questions to know because had I gone at it just with my own instincts or previous experience, I wouldn't have been equipped to lead the team through 2020. And I leaned into a lot of video communication because I need the team to see me, feel my energy, understand. I know what's going on because I can't see them all. And I saw a lot of leaders, you know, you, you guys probably saw this, right? Like Wes and Chris, you probably saw people did not engage in video. Still to this day, I have people that if they're not doing video messages to their team, I'm just telling you, are missing out. That is a small, just example. How are you truly connecting with your team? Because if you just they're call not, the phone, they're not. they're not. They're not communicating. I mean, I'll take a different approach with it. And if I can add on and piggyback on what you said, it's not what you said was wrong. It was 100%. You could take also a different approach in how close you are to your customers, clients, whatever you want to call them, students. Come to them indirectly because it takes the emotions out of it, maybe their ego, their point of view, and say, okay, hey, how can we make more of an impact with our current clients, customers, students, whatever, and make more of an impact and increase in their overall experience? What would you do if you were in my situation? How can we work together and go about that together collectively as a unit? Now you're taking the commotions right out of it. Yeah. And they're, they're now they're focused on, you know, like, you know, as in customer centric, they're not focused on anything else. And then you build out your processes within and they do it for you. Love that. you know, you'll take your company and you'll, you'll completely blow your numbers out the water because it's now about, now it's about you hitting your numbers. Did you make an impact with your buyer? Did you make an impact with your customers? Then you had turned them into lifelong clients, getting referrals. I think we talked about that on your show. Yeah. And I'll take, I'm not selling to you. I'm selling through everyone you know. And that that network could be huge in selling through everything. And that's where a lot of video comes into play. It's like, Chris, you have an amazing presence on video. And I'm like, just because I'm I haven't <laughs> I have the same presence when I'm in individually. I just yeah. learned how to do it on, you know what I mean? Virtually. But that comes from you getting out of your own head. A lot of times I see that with people that are trying to drive a team and driving results. They're inside their own mind. They're inside their own head. Yeah. What advice would you give someone? And why is that so important for you to be, I guess you would say, at knowing the pulse of your company and your team? Yeah, I always look at it this way as the leader needs to be several steps ahead. You know, and I've heard it said, you know, you'd be thinking a year in advance or six months in advance. Well, the reality, right. 2020 required us to be laser focused. I was more in the, where do I need to be 30 days from now? In some mm-hmm. ways, you don't know what's going to shift or change. And I think as a leader, planning for the unknown, meaning, okay, here are the contingency plans if this happens, if this happens. And I think for, for most of those leaders this year, they realized the future is still somewhat unclear. In an election year here, you still got the virus out there. You still have all these things that we don't necessarily control directly that will have impacts. But what are the things we control? And we got very clear in our group, what do we control? And back to what you shared, what parts of the customer experience have changed in 2020? Now that we don't see our customers in person, some won't want to see us at all. How do we adapt? What are our customers telling us? Because I think you hit on a very important point that I hadn't shared. But as you said it, I thought about, we're talking about this a lot. What are customers asking of us? Mm -hmm. 
what's that need they don't even know that they have that I can start to fulfill for them now, build it into my process mm -hmm. so that 2021, man, we, we are lights out crushing it, dominating the market. Once you see the dominant in the marketplace in 2021 are going to be the ones that put in the hard work now. Amen. And I'm, I can, you can go back into the times and it would every time where a lot of things would go going on uncertain times just creates mediocrity. It creates confusion. It creates just like, I you know stress on so many different types of levels. And if people don't want to go to work or go and do and outperform people, they're not going to put forth the extra effort if they're unhappy or not feeling like they're being heard or listened to or part of the process. I make everyone a part of the process. Everyone's a part of the process because there's certain skills that maybe Mary might have that the top producer Jim doesn't have. Yeah. And there's, you know, because you have like the top producers, maybe 10% of people. 10, 15% if you're lucky, right? Yeah. And you have your middle crew and then you have your little bottom, I guess you would, I don't want to call them bottom feeders, but that's what we call them, right? Bottom feeders. And what they are is they, you need to get them to that middle point. Yeah. And a lot of people, they fully focus on how can I support my top performer? I've actually walked in a company and fired a top producer because he was a cancer. Hmm. And a lot of people won't do that. They're like, what are you doing? The owners come to me. I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, trust me. <laughs> Trust me, work. <laughs> Trust me, because that's where a lot of times our leaders, I the best leaders I found, are the ones that completely block off that communication from chain of command above them. Like I'll tell the owners and I'll tell the VPs or I'll tell other body else, like you walk on my floor, be prepared, be prepared, because it changes the dynamic. Yeah, they're they're now focusing. Okay, well, Chris's boss is here, or Brian's boss is here. We can go act out. I'm like, don't you touch my floor. Don't you even go to that side of the campus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Because I, I control this world. It might be completely chaotic in your world, but I'm not going to communicate that to my staff. That's right. That's what I'm taking it for you. And that's a lot of people, They you don't need to tell your staff that. They'll feel it. Man, that's so true. So we actually just had a conversation this week and we're filtering through a lot of messages right now. And that could be one of the strengths and one of the things I've observed this year of, Filtering messages, if you're part of a larger team or yep. organization, is filtering messages is critical because you're right. At different levels, they need different amounts of information. They need it portrayed and shared differently. It needs to be, you know, transparent in what it is and the truth. But I'll tell you what, like the things that I receive and as a leader, you have to be willing to bear that is you don't need to put all that on your team. Your team needs clear messages. They need clear direction. They need your support. And some of that as a leader is guess what? That's, that's what you signed up for and have to be willing to, to carry that. Right. Your structure and communication is the first two, first two things you need to look at in any organization. What's the structure and what's the communication? Yeah. How are you communicating? And I'm not talking about communicating just with them, communicating customers. How's it, how's it making an impact? Is the marketing talking into sales or were they communicating as it what's happening? Like what's the culture? Like I, that's where I, I literally completely observed for the first week and I'm taking it. If I decide to take on a contract, this obviously has changed now. I have to do things virtually. Now that comes from me listening to phone calls. I'll break down phone calls. I'm listening to them. Like what is Sally talking about on these calls? What's her energy level? How is she transferring it? Is she asking questions? Is she waiting for the response? Yeah. I break all this stuff down. Like that's my favorite part of what I do for a living is listening to what the communications are with their customers. And that tells me everything. It tells me everything, how they badmouth people or they'll, they, they don't listen to, or they'll, they'll get sales pitch. They'll, they'll, they're trying to pitch, 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 product push. Sometimes it's not the right product. I mean, I know there's obviously different industries, but this goes with everything, man. I'm what type of trainings do you put your staff through? I mean, do you record your, do you listen to some of this stuff or, I mean, do you have someone on your staff? I mean, how, I guess, I guess the better question to me framing it the right way. How in, how in tune are you with the day-to-day -day operations on actually what the communications are with your staff and your customers? Yeah. So I think it's critical. So there's one thing we do really well is we have this voice of the customer survey okay. and that allows us basically real-time feedback through the process and at the end. And so we can rank and, and we'll actually measure this through and it tracks a lot of things as far as 
not only the speed, but the quality of the communication is graded in there. They talk about their experience or you're likely to refer people. And we have found that people, we send these out and we found kind of that sweet spot. We get a lot of written comments back. And so our team knows one, I review them. We recognize people that are doing very well. And then we also will pull out the ones that we've seen some, some feedback. And I'll just ask them, hey, we got this one in. Tell me a little bit more about how this went with this customer. There's always more to the story. You know, I don't want to be the leader that sends it out and goes, hey, Chris, I got this feedback over here. Man, you really screwed that one up. Like, <laughs> you know, here's what they said. So I think that's important to coach our team through. Um, in different parts of the company, we do record certain phone calls uh, with some of our team that's more like telesales and they do more just they're on the phones all day. Easier to track those. But I'll tell you what we've done this year is two main things. We have training each day that corporately we put on. And that is in the details. That could be as far as like how to enter an application in, how to learn this new piece of technology we've rolled out to you. It actually went into marketing. How do you actually go in and use your CRM? Like we got very brass tacks, like in the details, 30 minutes or less, those are recorded. What I did for our group was something unique. And we did a weekly webinar and I would bring in people not only from our industry, but outside our industry to talk about what was going on. Like in the middle you say in the middle of the pandemic, like probably 60 days in, I realized very quickly this wasn't going away anytime soon. And we needed to address people's mental health and how they were doing at home. What's work from home look like for you? How do you organize your home office? Like I brought in speakers that had nothing to do with what we do every day, had mm -hmm. everything to do with how people were living and working from home. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a shift that's really done well for our group. Is I, I love that you do that. I think it's I important. I'd say it's important. They need to hear it coming from a different voice in a different way. And they're not attached to the company or making some type of whatever commission or upright or whatnot bringing in. I, I'm huge on that, bringing in guest speakers to speak to the crew, just to give them a different voice. That way I'm not screaming at them or whoever's in, <laughs> in the <laughs> meetings. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I obviously I'm, I'm a very emotional guy, but I know how to be in tune with that, those emotions and knowing how to communicate the properly. Because I, there's one thing that I just don't promote, and Wes does a really good job with his companies with this. People don't go to Wes just for with a problem, or they don't come to me with a problem. Here's the problem. I, I don't know the problem. Here's it's not working. They don't come. Like, what's your proposed you know solution to this? Let's talk about that if you can, Wes. Why is it so important? Absolutely. And what it comes down to it comes down to culture, and and you've both said it now a, a couple of times is. It's if you if you're creating a culture there where people are empowered enough to feel like they have a safe environment where they can come to you and say that some people just don't do it out of fear because and that again it goes back to that ego and the type of leader that you are but if they don't feel comfortable enough to come to you and even propose a solution because they might think hey if they actually take on the solution then I'm accountable for it or what if it doesn't work or what if they don't care about my opinion and all of these all these different things and so within that actually it's this brings on a question uh, also with the topic that we we're just talking about. And and you do a great job of this, obviously, obviously, Brian, which is creating an environment for people to feel empowered, to feel safe in, in, in the workplace, making that shift going from, you know, obviously in person, you can keep an eye on things and all of that. Now you're virtual. You can't, right. You can't keep an eye on everything because you're not there to actually see it. And you talked about your customer and, the customer surveys that you're doing and all of that. How are you still, I guess, harboring or creating an environment where like Susie, the salesperson, right, cares just as, mu as much about the feedback that came through from that customer survey as, as you do? So I think what we go back to is the culture is created by language, I believe. And, and the language that you use that you know, in our world, customers matter, right? Like we are existing to serve our customers. And so we've really promoted that in a way that not only internally are we going to treat people fairly with respect and make sure we take care of them, but externally, that's how our brand and reputation is built. And we talk about when, when our team was being built, I mean, it was a small group, I think of 15 people or so. Now we're close to a couple hundred and that's like three years. We wanted to make sure the language was there. And I use this a lot with my team is like, be a blessing, meaning every conversation you go into did, did you help someone solve a problem or did you make them feel better when they got off the phone call? Right. Cause look, you might not be able to solve every problem for them, but you can make people feel better. You can make them feel heard and listened. And what I've shared with our team is every customer I believe could lead to five or 10 more referrals. So we're talking about just the business side of it. 
it makes sense for us to do that. So separate over here a little bit of like, it feels good. We're doing the right thing. From a business standpoint, I believe it's easier to serve that customer well that you have in front of you to help you get to the next referral that you have. And your reputation right now has really become so much a blend of the company and the individual with social media, where it's not only Lone Depot, it's Brian at Lone Depot. There, there's yeah. a connection they see there. And we really talk about that with our team of the most powerful brands are when those interlock. And that is now the experience that you're able to create. So I think it's just, you know, Wes, I would take it back to what you talk about and what you prioritize and show is important to you as a leader is important. And I'll give you real life examples. When something goes sideways, which it does in our world, right? Like even this morning, I'm having to jump in on a fire drill. Something's gone sideways. They see how I react quickly, which is important, swiftly to get a decision. And I'm not blaming people. I'm not in it to figure out who did what wrong. My job as the leader immediately right then is to solve the problem with our team collectively for that customer. Mm -hmm. I think when people see you model that behavior, they're like, crap, if Brian's going to jump on a problem like that and drop everything he's doing, th that's how we should roll as a team, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's just, you, again, I come back to model it as the leader and, and most likely your team's going to see that. You can't just talk about it. Yeah, I love that because I think that's, that's really a critical thing. It goes all back to what you said in the beginning. It's like, you know, be great so that you can lead great, right? And and so with that, you know, entire focus and that type of culture that you're building, what does that conversation sound like? Like when you're bringing on a leader, you know they have direct impact. Uh, I guess when you're having that conversation, are you asking questions to see how, how they respond, that leader, that potential leader? Or are you looking even for their mannerisms? Like what are you paying attention to to know that this is the kind of person that can lead our team? All of it. And, and I think today we've had more of a viable way to really analyze if they're the right kind of cultural fit and model match. And that someone that's going to be working with us, that they are going to have a social presence just because so much business is direct to consumer and customers find us there. You know, that's how we do things. I am paying attention. Also, I look at their history of where they've been. You know, I'm one of those very loyal, very committed guys. So for me, that is a, uh, a trait that I'm looking for in other people. Can you stick it out when times get tough? Do you have enough uh, persistence and resilience in the tough times or do you just jump ship to the next company or the, or the next yep. thing that's there? And so I do think it's asking questions. I'll oftentimes, even when we were meeting in person, is even take the spouse out to dinner. And so that way I get to go meet both of them. If they were coming to Nashville, which I did quite a bit for a while, anybody that was going to come in, any leadership rank on our team, I would fly them out to Nashville out of their comfort zone to meet with our team. And quite often, they would go to lunch or dinner with other members of our team that already know me. They know what I'm looking for. They know what's there. What I found is when you bring the team together again and they help make you uh, help make selections with you and they're like, Hey, this guy or girl, they're a fit. Or I've had them say, Brian, I got a bad feeling. I got a red flag. I don't, I don't think we should move forward. I will tell you about 99% of the time they get it right. They get mm -hmm. it right. And also found this is, when you bring the team into it and you, you in a way, heighten that role that not everybody gets a leadership role in our team. And I want you to help decide who gets it and who doesn't because you're part of the team. It's not Brian just going out and picking people because I've done that and I've got it wrong in my past where I just went off my gut. I'm like, I like this person. They have a good personality. They have high production. You like all those things. We check the box. I missed the cultural fit. I missed mm -hmm. it. And I have found in my career, and this is something I wish I'd learned earlier in my leadership journey, is finding the person that wants to be at that higher level and has the right characteristics and attributes and is willing to put in the effort. I would take over the person, Chris, you talked about the high performer you got to fire because they're a cancer. I've done it both ways. And I'll tell you, when I leaned into developing people, caring about people and where their gifts are and helping them get where they want to go, and it became a team sport and not just me. I mean, that was a shift. Um, again, I wish, I wish I'd learned it earlier and I could take credit for it, but it was listening to mentors and coaches of mine, just, just grind through. You were looking, you were seeking that explicit knowledge. Yeah. That's how you learned it. And you felt that you felt that shift that needed to take place within what you were working on. You know, with a lot of times when you're, and I love everything you're talking about here because it's, it's spot on to people that really exceed expectations and whatever they're working on leadership 
isn't just for a certain division. It's you need to first start with you and how you're communicating and this everyone your staff. Sometimes the best some of the best corporations that I've been um, working with and had a contract with, they couldn't point out the leader. Like who's the leader? I'm like everyone. We all we all help each other. Those that's when you know a company's the shit. Yeah. And they they can't really point out who's the boss. They're like, oh, he owns the company and then she owns she runs this and they run this. And but we we worked we worked together. Everyone communicates. They're all communicating. Yes. And that's that's huge. And I love that you fly people out and you that way you're able to see and spot certain things. And that comes with the emotional intelligence. And a lot of people can't use virtually. It's it's hard for people to really get a gauge on who someone is if they're there virtually. Like right now, it's just changing the frame. If I move this camera over here, it changes the way that everything looks. Yes. You're you're moving them out of that element. I love that you do that. Let's, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I'm going to make a transition because there's there's a lot of stuff that it kind of goes into the book that you're writing and getting yeah. it published and all the things that you're doing. I love, love your messages and what you have going on with your organization. With everything I see on the virtual side, man, you're you're killing it. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to throw you I'm going to throw you a curveball though. Like what is the favorite, what's your favorite part about what you do for a living? Ooh, I think as a coach in my nature coming up playing soccer, I've always been fascinated and curious about getting people to realize their own potential and greatness inside of them. Okay. And as a dad, I've realized that in my kids and it's different, but yet there's some commonality and you'll kind of get where I'm going with this is. There's something that is innately in me that drives me to strive, not only in myself, but others around me to push themselves beyond what they thought they could do and find their own greatness. And I get fired up every day because the stories on the other side of when I have people on our team achieve, whether it's financial freedom, whether it's they hit a sales goal they wanted, whether they get to add a new baby into their family and they can afford to do this, they go take a family trip or they get to get promoted and they never thought they'd do that. They get to buy a home, never thought they could do it. There's something that still drives me every day, almost from the sports. I love human potential and I'm fascinated by what triggers and motivates people that just play average and below average their life to what, what can you do and how can I be a change agent to get those around me to perform at such a high freakish level that people are like, man, those guys are different. There is mm -hmm. something about them. And I think that just comes back to the great coaches I had in my life that I would never have played at the level I did or had success. Deep in your subconscious. It's deep in your subconscious. Yeah. And I just, my wife even says it. She'll talk about, I've learned in this journey of learning who I am and who I was created to be and what drives me is like even working out with my, my crew that we work out with. It's not so much about beating the other person. I'm highly competitive. Like I know that about myself probably to a fault. But it is about pushing people around me and myself in that moment. What What is my potential? What can I achieve in that moment? And I don't think I found that for myself. And so I believe that journey, and I've kind of been called to help others along with that journey. And, and, and let's let's find out what we can do and the impact we can make in this world. It's, not, it's like looking at them in their own present state. I never look at someone and where they currently are in a situation because they're choice and decisions. I first need to identify what are some choices and decisions? How do they go about making these? Once I figure that out, then I'm able to make an impact with them. Then I know where they're currently at. So what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What can I give them? How can I help them get to whatever levels? But I want them to tell me what levels they want to be on. Yeah. Because they need to tell me. <laughs> I can't tell them where I want them to be. Here's my here's expectations of the company. Yeah, great. That's why your your role, that's your job. That's fine. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make an impact with you. It's going to last a lot longer than you're going to be in the name of this company. A lot longer. That's like you're going to, right. And that's, that's the impact. And a lot, that's where I asked that. What's your favorite part? Because a lot, when a lot of people can't tell me their favorite part of what they do, or they're very vague. <laughs> they yeah. They're like, well, I love the communication part. I love the sales part. I love this part. I love the marketing. I love this. I love making money. Yeah. We all love that type of stuff. Yeah. But give me something very specific on what you enjoy and gives you so much joy. I saw a lot of it, great leaders, they speak on abundance. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I talk about with new leaders or maybe coming from a top performing role and going into now they're just a manager. They're going or following because they have to, right? So yeah. now do you really completely believe in abundance? 
A lot of people say they do. They really don't. Okay. Abundance is a lifestyle, right? You got to completely want the best for everyone. And that's where it comes from the title of the show, the win-win effect. Everyone's got to win. Everyone's going to eat. Everyone's going to win. And that that comes from the janitor all the way to the freaking, you know, CEO or whoever. Yeah. You've got to make it happen. And what's the impact that you're making today collectively as a unit or individually? So, and what's the least favorite part, do you think? Oh, wow. That's an that's an interesting one. I, I think for me, probably the thing I've struggled with this year is not seeing my team in person. Uh, mm. I'm a very relationship. Like I want to be in, in the market. I've traveled for years, and I do think there's there's a, a component missing of the energy in person versus we can continue to strive to get better here, and we will. But there's something about that and celebrating with your team and showing up because this year has been a little bit painful for me in that I have so many of our team achieving record success and you can send them gifts, you can thank them, you can congratulate all that stuff. But man, there's something to celebrating in person, doing the cheers in person. You know, there's just, there's some, so probably, probably the, um, that that's probably the thing that it's been the toughest for me this year. You know, I'm probably like some people where, you know, I still work on difficult conversations. I still work on, you see somebody, that's in the wrong role and, and you got to move them to a different role. And, and I admire the people that say they can do that very easily. Like for me, I know that I care about the team and that's probably to a fault and I want what's best. And so getting better in that arena, I don't know that I look forward to that. Right. I don't look forward to ever having to come to somebody and let them know they're not performing. I, I, don't, I don't. They know. Perform. You don't need to tell them. They know. Oh, they know. They know. They know. <laughs> Do you know, it comes when you got to put an accountability person next to them. Like it could be just having, okay, Sally and Jim work in this cubicle. Well, you two guys are holding each other accountable to these goals. And that's how you start. It all starts there. Yeah. Like, tell me, tell me one thing about Jim's personal life that you know that you probably shouldn't know. (laughs) Right. So uh, these are conversations. That's my least favorite is actually seeing everyone hit the numbers and reaching the expectations that's where i'm less happy it's weird and i'm i'm going to i'm going to go to my genius on this part because that means if we're exceeding expectations that means i'm losing and i'm missing out on another opportunity to make a shift and make a make a larger impact in the next 5 years in communicating my vision because if they're exceeding expectations great but they need to see the complete the overall vision of what you're trying to get to. And that takes a, a real, I take someone to really be at those, at that, that peak level of performance as a leader, because it's not about just what you do and what you say, it's what everyone else does when they're, you're not there. Right. And that's what's forced people right now with this marketplace, with this pandemic, it's put people in a situation. They can't hold people accountable anymore. And that's where you lose touch. Right. I mean, let's talk about this book. Yeah, man. This book you got coming out. And then, cause I know there's, I know we spent a lot of our time talking about leadership, but that's some, that's kind of like a part two of our conversation previously. And I think that that's the area that we really want to land, but this book's conversation was it conversations, Kobe, right? So yeah. let's talk about it, man. What, Dude. why now? Uh, I'm fired. I, I think it, it's timely right now, because if we look at what we've all been through this year and we've all faced some type of adversity, like no matter what, what financial status you're at, where you're at in your life, all those things. And what I tried to do was pull together people that really came on the show and shared where they started in the adversity they faced and not just one of those motivational or like make you feel good. This was real hope and inspiration packed with how they overcame adversity in the how to. And what you'll find for each of us, like Wes will have this, Chris will have this. You'll relate to certain people on the, the, the show that you'll go, I had that exact thing happen to me and your stories will overlap, right? They intersect again and you're going to realize everybody's got a story. Everybody's dealing with something, Mm -hmm. but the truly great people took action and they have some common DNA that if you listen and you really pay attention to each of them, you're going to realize there's a separator and there's a reason why one of the guests talks about there's a room people all making under a million dollars. There's a room right beside them and everybody's making over a million dollars and there's a separator and it, it's really one thing. It's noticeable. Yeah. It's noticeable. And and we break that down of the group making a million or more take action. They take action often. They take action quickly. 
not afraid to fail. And we kind of dive into it even more. I think this is time this year, what we found and I've seen throughout history in the times of greatest adversity have been the times of greatest opportunity. There will be more millionaires made this year, whether we want to agree with it, dispute it all. It's happening in the entrepreneurial space. Like we all are, there are more people stepping up their game and finding ways to serve a need in their community or in the world that they are going to find not only their purpose, but a business that they can serve people. So what this book's going to provide a lot of people is not just the hope and inspiration, but the how to, how do I go do this with where I am? All these books. Yeah. And it's going to break down a lot of our limiting beliefs that I think we all at some degree and people have that it's just not for me, or I couldn't do that, or I have this, or I'm that. We're going to break it all down. And, and I'm excited to see the, the lives that get changed because the stories from the 11, I think, is what we've landed on. Crazy impactful, man. I go back and as I'm working through it, I, just, I get more and more excited every time um, we continue to put work in on this. Right. I love that what you're saying, an idea from is that we're a book can be in the second version of the book and the third version of the book. And I love that, that idea because the conversation does change. I mean, will the conversation change from reaching that type of market and go from, you know, watching them excel? I mean, what's your thought process on that? I think it's going to be a season. And, and the way we've kind of broken it up is I'm taking the season one and the highlights from there, which were the ones that people engage with the most? Which ones do I listen back? And like, I took action as a result of the conversation I had. To me, that's the biggest thing is if I bring a guest on and like even we were together, there were a couple things that you shared that I could go take action on. And, and I think about those are the ones I want to continue. And through my, my journey, I think there'll be seasons of my life and seasons in the world that it will always have relevancy because we'll adapt and change. And those conversations will be in that season. But I also believe, you know, Chris, people could go back to the season and go, man, I'm gonna go listen back to these because I relate to this person, you know, first generation immigrant or this person lost it all, filed bankruptcy, lost their house, got divorced. You know, kids didn't want anything to do with them. I can relate to that. Or they got fired from their job. Um, you know, and, and right. it gives you know, them a huge variety to go to. Yeah. Huge. I we had one of our guests, you know, overcoming um, traumatic brain injury, trauma, and, and actually turned into a, uh, an aneurysm and cancer. And, and you look at stories like that will touch people and they'll be able to relate to. So I think the seasons will ebb and flow. I'm excited because it's going to challenge me. And it's going to challenge our team to make sure, depending on how this first one goes, how do we adapt and how do we, we just bring more value? Right. I look forward to definitely, I'm definitely check it out for sure. I mean, I'm a, I'm a nerd, man. I yeah. read so many books or listened to them and that's all I do. And I even go back and re listen or re read certain books just, just because I need to. Like um, there's, a, there's a, probably a handful I go back and reread and reread because so I'll catch something different because I'm growing. We're all growing. We're all evolving. We're at that dedication at 1%, right? So it's just got to grow. I mean, are you moving a needle? Are you asking yourself those tough questions? But if you're not leading yourself, how are you going to be able to lead anybody up or anybody make an impact? That's what I love about what's happened right now is just you're, you're really seeing people change their narrative on the stories that they're trying to tell themselves mm -hmm. and challenge themselves. I love that. But there's other people not putting in the work. They're just reactive. They're just reactive. That's that. That's just a really shitty place to live in life. Like yeah. the world that we live in right now, if you don't see the opportunity, wealth is changing hands, man. And yeah, I agree with you. There's going to be more millionaires um, built this year and yeah. created from years of hard because they're, they're prepared. Like, right. The conversation didn't really last long with Wes and I, and I'm sure with you, when all this stuff popped off, the conversation didn't really last long. It was just, all right, here's where we are. Here's where we are. Yep. I just made an adjustment, and then it's like nothing happened. <laughs> like everybody else in the world was being chaotic, and I'm like, we're good. Everything, we're built for this. It's all good. God, that's such a separator right there. Is the, is the ones like, you didn't even take time to even like try to overanalyze it like some, like a month later, what am I going to do? How am I going to adapt? It's like, we felt no, it happening. We felt it happen. We pay attention to the signs. We know the marketplace. We, we know what's happening. So yeah. when you, we can sense when something's off. Even with the customers, you're getting the salespeople and the marketing people. They might be getting a, more objections, you know, or they're yeah. telling you exactly what's happening in their lives, you know, with their jobs. Things are starting to slow down a little bit. Production is not really being made. Look at all the different industries. That's one thing that I, 
I don't know. I'm just one of those weirdos that just I observe, 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 and I can I catch things that people don't normally say or or do, and I'll see the hidden line, the hidden underlying behind it, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's the motivation? And going mm-hmm. right towards that. So I, I'm looking forward to this book because it gives you a bunch of different versions and a bunch of different stories with it. Love it. Great idea, man. When's yeah. that coming out? So hopefully about the end of the year um, is what we're targeting right before the holidays and, and Christmas and all. And I think for those of us that struggle to finish entire books or you, or you like certain speakers, it's going to be kind of like the variety pack, you know, where you get 11 speakers packed in. And then what we'll have is if they want to go catch the full episode or, or learn more about those guests, they're going to be able to go follow all of them as well. So I really look at it as it's a collaboration effort of bringing some of the brightest and best out there. So I know we're going to have you uh, part of the, the next one since we had our conversation and several things I think are, are very relevant right now that you're covering and sharing with people. Right. I appreciate it. I'm honored. Appreciate it. And, and anything that, you know, we definitely need me for, I mean, guest speaking or whatever that is, um, have you on part two soon or <laughs> whatever that might be. I, I, I look at every person that we bring on the show as our moral, moral obligation to bring on who's with it and who's actually speaking the same I guess the same knowledge and the same type of just a different voice. And it's always the same pattern with the emotional intelligence. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. That's one of our listeners that send a lot of feedback. They'll send in feedback. They love this show. It's a new different. Every person is a different show. Mm. Every person that we bring on is completely different. And we're reaching just so many different types of people. And I love that you do that as well. Um, For the most part, like how can our guys find you or listeners? Yeah. So I'm pretty active over on Instagram. So it's just the Brian Covey. You can find me there. LinkedIn, obviously Brian Covey, you'll find me there. And then Facebook got a business page. It's probably the easiest way since. um, So easy to find people nowadays. (laughs) If you you look me up, you'll find some, some soccer stuff and all that. But LinkedIn is where I spend a lot of time. Instagram, I started doing a little bit of the Twitter thing, maybe start doing some YouTube stuff more. I mean, I'm, I would love to connect up with your listeners. I know we share a lot of the similar mindsets and just things we're all trying to learn and grow together. And I just think it's better to do it as a community than try to do this as a solo project. Right. I love that. Wow. That's amazing. Say that again for the listeners. Yeah. I think it's better to do life and learn and grow together as a community than for any of us to try to do this as a solo project on our own. Right. That com- The community. And that's, that's the impact. Wes, I mean, put a bow on this. This has been a beautiful episode. Thank you so much, Brian, for coming on. It's great. Yep. There's, there's just so much to this episode, and I think for every person doesn't matter what where you are in life, um, you know. Think about the perspective. I think that was one one thing that came out to me in this is is the word perspective, uh, and it's the perspective you have on life. It's the perspective you have on your situation, and you can tell a lot about people, when, especially when they're facing adversity, what that perspective looks like and what what they do in those moments. And so, if you're someone who's struggling with this as a leader or as just as an individual in general. Uh, think about that and, and you know, look at how can you change your perspective and maybe even work on some of those things that we talked about with ego to help yourself be able to get to that next level. But other than that, Brian, thank you so much for being on. It's been a pleasure. Guys, thank you, man. I love these conversations. You're doing great work too. So I'm just honored to be on with you. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And I don't know, Wes, maybe we're just having, we're sharing the same mind right now. I actually wrote down perspective and you asked that question about the ego, the backup question to Brian. <laughs> I think Wes and I are completely like in the zone. Like we're in our own minds. It's so funny that we've been around each other a lot long enough. Like I guess I can pretty much read on his face what he's probably thinking sometimes. And I'm sure he's the same way, but I got to have those people. Do you have people like that in your organization that you don't really need to tell them what's actually happening and what you're thinking? Yeah. And that's, I've got a few that roll pretty close to me and that's, I think that's the goal as the leaders. I'm trying to build more of those. What's been cool is we've collaborated in different parts of the country with other leaders, and I find some of those are the best, and we'll bring them in to speak and collaborate, and that's been pretty incredible. Our our CEO is is an amazing, very innovative, visionary kind of guy, and you know we kind of take his direction, and and he gives us a lot of freedom to just collaborate and try things, you know. And that's yeah. been collaborate and listen. Ice back with a brand new adventure. Start, start rapping. Yeah, <laughs> he said, I can't stop my mind. I can't, there's no filter there, but it, right? <laughs> I'm showing my age now, saying vanilla ice and shit. So, but man, I appreciate coming on. Anything you need from us, we're an open book, man. I anything yeah. like coming on and speaking to your staff. I mean, it doesn't matter, man. I do, I, I look at you as a lifelong friend. You become on the show, 
you know, Great. and that's all about, you know, really following through on, you know, building relationships. And I look forward to seeing, can't wait for the book to come out. I'll have to do some type of posts. And when that does come out to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm supporting you as much as possible for sure. Dude, I'd love to do it. Yeah, and I want to pick your brain on what things you think relevant with our team, because I think you guys would be a great addition just to come speak to them and get connected. Because there's, I mean, you know, going into next year, the shift that's going to have to occur in mindset to be prepared. I'm already talking, and I know the leaders go first in our team. We're talking about this, but some of the team won't make shifts until they walk into 2021. They're like, oh, things you, you, you got to start now. The right. conversation already starts now. We're like, right when that, right when September hits, that's where the conversation for the next year starts. Yep. It needs to start, but people wait to the holidays and now they're reactive. You know, in the holidays, you got, you know, um, you got Thanksgiving, right? You got football and all this other stuff going on. Then you go into Christmas and the downtime and getting, you know, after this election stuff and that 2021. If you're not already prepared, you're, you're get your ass to work. Yes. <laughs> get your ass to work. Move. Like everyone has 24 hours in a day. It's what you do with those. Yeah. Like, are you managing yourself? I mean, that's great, man. So many nuggets, man. But any, like I said, anything you need from us, I appreciate cool. coming on. Go kill your next show and we'll go from there, man. Go kill Good. it. Appreciate you guys.